Hey everybody, Captain Andy Comics is right about to start, but there's a lot of great podcasts on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, including this one. Hi, my name is Stacy Pressman, and I'm the host of the Pressman Hour podcast, along with my co-host Angela Riley. I'm a comedian, I'm a provocateur, and I like to talk about everything and anything that comes to my head. Me and my co-host Angela, we kind of fight about stuff. Sometimes we have great guests, so if you have like an hour to spare and you're not doing anything... Listen to the Pressman Hour on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. It's time for Caffeinated Comics. A lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos. And now, here's your hosts, John and Steven. Thank you, it's Caffeinated Comics. I'm your host, John Clark. Lauren Fates is on the show today. Lauren is the host of the She-Ra Progressive Power Podcast. She's a good friend of ours. She's been on several times, but it's been a while since I talked to her. And certainly it's been a while since before inside of Fon 2020 is going on. So I just wanted to check in on her and see how she's doing. And it was a really, really cool conversation about kind of how quarantine's going, which is going to be the theme for a while. So let's get to it. This is actually um, unique because this is the first time you've been on the podcast not talking about the X-Files. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I've been asking a couple of times to come on and talk about She-Ra, and you haven't taken me up on it yet because I think— Well, now I have. I'm the only one in America left who can talk about (laughs) (laughs) X-Files. Yeah, David Duchovny won't talk about it. (laughs) He's wiped it from his memory. Yeah, we did. Uh, yeah, the last time we were on, we talked about your Shira podcast. Your Shira podcast got huge, and then it got. And I was on it a couple of years ago, and then it got even bigger because Netflix started making more Shira. Yes, we. I think since uh, you and I last talked, we even got to go to LA to go to DreamWorks. It was such a dream come true. Wow, how was that? Uh, I just loved it. <laughs> Um, it was at a very tumultuous time in my life. Um, like you said, I have many stories. Yeah, everything. The last time you've been on here, every single thing in your life has changed, but your name and liking Shira. Yeah, yeah. And my name could have changed if I wanted to. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, I take that one back. You Liking Shira, that's about it. That's it. So my husband and I separated, and before we officially finalized our divorce, I went to L.A. with Eric. And right, I was, who's the co-host of the Shira podcast. Yes, and he was and really amazing and supportive and like a total stand-up guy and awesome friend. And, and it was actually – He's an all-around swell human being. He is. He is. Like obviously because of the nature of the show, super progressive, super feminist. And uh, we got the opportunity to go to DreamWorks, and I just said yes despite my kind of emotional situation. And it was just – the perfect thing. It was just what I needed. You know, it was so much sunshine, so much great food. Having done a lot of like improv and theater, I know a lot of people who who went out there and, you know, started making it in showbiz. And so I got to see a lot of friends. DreamWorks Studios itself is so cool. They have a huge campus with a big like tower in the middle with their logo on it and a fountain below. 
follow it, so it's very picturesque. They have lots of very realistic life-size statues of their characters, the most notable of which is Shrek. And the life-size Shrek statue has, like, veins and, like, hair drawn on him if you get close, and he has the most realistic eyes you've ever seen. (laughs) And so uh, I guess I could sort of say I met Shrek. Yeah, I think that's as close as any of us could say. Yeah, and we met lots of um, writers and animators and storyboard people from Shira. And to this day, the DreamWorks VP of animation, Greg Bolden, is a friend of mine. And we check in probably about once a month on Facebook. And I can't wait to visit again. That's awesome. Now, has the season premiered yet on Netflix? It has not. Uh, The final season premieres in May. I think they might have actually, I don't know if they moved it. They were going to announce this at a convention and then the convention got canceled due to all the, you know, coronavirus stuff. But it looks like the last season is going to hit on May 15th. And I definitely have such a respect for that. You know, they had a story they wanted to tell. They wrote the story and they're stopping. So it's going to have a nice clean finish. Now, how many seasons is that? Um, I guess you could say it's five. Um, uh, it's it's actually, you know, more like four because two of the seasons were half seasons, but technically it's five. They had five different release dates. Yeah, I stopped counting half seasons. I think when Breaking Bad said that, I was like, you know what, just do short seasons. Like, how many breaks did you take? That's how many seasons I'm counting. I had a very interesting conversation uh, with the people at DreamWorks about how with the Netflix, you know, season long releases, you have to be very careful about where you leave the plot. So DreamWorks has another show for kids called Spirit Riding Free. It's about horses. Mm -hmm. And apparently they ended a Netflix season with Spirit temporarily being separated from the little girl protagonist of the show. And kids were just distraught because, you know, Uh when you when you sit them down in front of Netflix, they can binge and binge and binge and another episode and another episode and another episode. And then at that cliffhanger, suddenly there was no more for the kids to watch. So they have to be careful with where they end their seasons or if they do halves or whole ones. Kids kids freak out. Yeah, and uh, it's fortunately it doesn't happen as often anymore that it gets canceled on cliffhangers. Yeah, they know which in used, advance how many they're going to buy. Yeah, which used to be the norm. And then it was like, I don't know, maybe a comic book company will write the ending to this story. So do, you, they, do you think of a, a particularly compelling example of that happening on the spot? Um, You know what? I remember the sitcom Soap in the 70s. Uh, it, Billy Crystal was on it and uh, Robert Mulligan, who then had that show Empty Nest in the 80s. Uh, Catherine Hellmond, who was the mom on Who's the Boss. It was this real groundbreaking show in the late 70s. It was a parody of soap operas. And I remember the final episode left on a cliffhanger where Robert Mulligan was about to be murdered. Oh, that, my God. The cliffhanger yeah. and all cliffhangers. Yeah, that's the one that always stuck with me. And maybe because it's the first one I remember. But um, there's a few. I, I think the worst tacked on ending is Quantum Leap, where they just, oh, it just sure. goes to black and they're just like, yeah, he never got home. It's like eventually he became the captain of the Enterprise. That's as much as we'll tell you. I mean, I even have this is not a hot take, but I even have very complicated feelings about Firefly and Serenity because Serenity feels like it was made to finish up stories that should have taken seasons and seasons, like just full arcs in and out of. Oh, yeah. 
And so at least at least it got wrapped up. But as much as I love Serenity, I feel like it feels very slapped together because they didn't want to leave any cliffhangers or loose ends. Right. It's so fast because there's um, and it's still a little open ended. There was still like a little twinkling of like, yeah, we might do another one. But I didn't get into Firefly till Serenity was out. So I felt like, OK, it's done. Same, like, same, I, same. I, I didn't have that hanging feeling that I did just watching the show. But I, that was one of the reasons uh, we always talked about X-Files. I was like, after this last season, I was like, yeah, that's as much closure as I'm ever going to get, and I'm okay that's with gonna that. That's going to be it, so let's talk to Lauren, quote-unquote, one last time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we do, to- we do text a lot. I get Yeah. yeah <laughs> I have that. I like, I like seeing your guitars, and I like seeing how huge your kids are getting. They're uh, very tall. Yeah, I'm about... Uh, ben and I were just discussing. I'm about three months from not asking him to fight me anymore. Oh, anytime, and anytime I still see a meme about uh, seagulls, stop it now. You're the person I see. <laughs> it's like the one joke that I stick to you. There, yeah, yeah. They figured out that that was also on Spotify, so that <laughs> exponentially increased the amount of times I heard that song. Are they into Baby Yoda? I haven't talked to you since Mandalorian. Yeah, um, Sebastian is into Baby Yoda. Um, and we watched all the Mandalorian Star Wars is so weird with my kids cause they are on and off. They, they never really got indoctrinated. Like I tried the original trilogy. I tried every movie with them. The only thing that they responded to was force awakens cause it was new. It came out. The kids in their class were talking about it and they've already kind of fallen off. Like I bought rise of Skywalker. They put it out early on iTunes. Uh, because of the coronavirus. And I was like, great, we can watch this again. We only saw it once in the theater. And Ben was like, yeah, I saw it. I don't want to see it. And uh, and then we put it on. And within an hour, they were like, nobody was paying attention to it. And I was like, they're really like, they're really on again, off again with it. They they kind of take each movie as its own thing. And they're like, I didn't like that movie. I don't care about Star, Star Wars now. I kind of feel that way too. I really connected with Rogue One. Mm-hmm. And I'm a I'm a big Baby Yoda fan. Um, I'm waiting with bated breath for uh, Build a Bear Workshop to finally release that damn Baby Yoda. Oh, there's a oh, slew there's of a Baby slew. Yodas coming. I know, uh, but I thought Rise of Skywalker was terrible, just terrible. And I yeah, I, I, I saw it, it over Christmas. I went to Arizona to be with my best friend for the holidays, and she does not love anything as much as she loves Star Wars. And so I was really like hoping I would like it so I could sort of meet her in that place. And I just hated it. I just hated it. I thought it was fine in the theater. And then when I was watching it, after about an hour, I'm like, wait, I'm really bored. And I, I there's an hour left. I remember one thing that's going to happen. And I was like, wait, why don't I like this? And I have been in a huge Star Trek kick lately because um, I love Mandalorian, but I, I adore Picard. And it got me like back into watching Next Generation. And now with coronavirus, now that we're home, I'm like, well, I'm just going to leave Deep Space Nine on. I'm going to uh, – I started watching The Orville, and I don't even like Seth MacFarlane. But I started watching Star Trek Into Darkness. Mm. And I was like, yeah, I really hated this one. And I was always saying – when J.J. said he was going to do Force Awakens and not come back, I was like, great, because Star Trek was fantastic. Star Trek Into Darkness was terrible. And then I was like, I don't even remember Star Trek Into Darkness. Let's just put it on. And about a half an hour in, I went, oh, my God, this is Rise of Skywalker. This is – he did everything. It was the exact same thing. He did everything he wanted to do with one movie, 
And then when he came back, he was out of ideas and just started throwing things in there. And he was like, oh, I think people like this. I think people like this. And uh, with Star Trek Into Darkness, it was like, I'm just going to throw in a lot of Rathacon because people like that and some Klingons. And the story didn't hold together. And with Rise of Skywalker, it was like, uh, we haven't seen the Emperor. Um, we got uh, – let's bring Billy Dee Williams back because Carrie Fisher has gone. And it was like – it was so plot point, plot point, plot point. I was like, oh, there's no story. There's no theme in here at all. Yeah, yeah. I am not going to go into like the feminist rant that everyone can read a thousand times on the internet by Googling Rise of Skywalker, but I'm just not here for this is what people like, so let's show them more of it. Because if I wanted to see the thing that I liked, I would just go turn on Empire Strikes Back again. Like I don't need to see all those same characters in this, literally with Lando, the same outfits, saying the same catchphrases. Yeah. That's not a new movie. <laughs> No, and I, I understood it for Force Awakens because I felt like Force Awakens was – the mission statement for that was Disney come out coming out and saying, these aren't the prequels. We know what you like about Star Wars. We like that too, and that's one of the reasons that worked, and it is a greatest hits album, but it was a reassurance after Revenge of the Sith and Attack of the Clones. They were like, we're not we're, – we're going back to what people loved about Star, Star Wars, and I found all the Disney movies interesting, but I haven't loved – Anything until the Mandalorian, actually. The Mandalorian felt like um, the Mandalorian was the first thing that felt like somebody playing with Kenner action figures. Yeah, it's almost a different genre. It's not trying to necessarily please everybody. And once you decide a, a strong mission statement like that, I think you get a stronger piece of art. Yeah, and Favreau is a is a Gen Xer, which I am. So you could. You could tell that he saw Star Wars young and it left that impression of him, and he's bringing that back. Like when, when I got to the second episode, I was like, oh, yeah, if I had those toys, I would absolutely have Boba Fett fight 17 Jawas. <laughs> you know what that kind of reminds me of? Not to totally change the subject, but we're just going to bounce around here, I guess. We never uh, have a subject. <laughs> no, never. Have you um, had your thumb on Final Fantasy VII Remake at all, the video game? No, I can't get near a video game. The last video game I finished was Spider-Man, which I adored. But Ben has gotten so good at them that it's slightly embarrassing. He, we got Jedi Fallen Order uh, at Christmas. He finished it in a week, and I played like half a level. Um, <laughs> so it is kind of that it's making me feel that like it's time for the ice flow when I play games with him. Um, and also, I can't get near the console because he's just on it. On it, on it, on it. Yeah, yeah, the I, thing about the, – the reason I tie it in is because Final Fantasy VII Remake is, you know, stunningly gorgeous, and I haven't played more than the demo yet, but it fills in what I imagined that world to look like when I played that game when I was younger, you know, 20 years ago. Uh, those sort of blocky, pixelated, single-shot environments. You had a, an, an image in your mind of where you actually were and what the adventure was actually like. Yeah. And it's so interesting to see not, you know, an HD remaster, but an actual remake of a video game that says we're doing it over and it's going to look like what you had in your heart. It's crazy. I've never seen anything like it before. Wow, and, and it works? Yeah, you know, so far it works. I... The, the game is actually coming out in episodes, and each episode costs as much as a AAA game, so I think that's a bit of a crock. But 
some of the stuff I'm really worried about is going to come in later episodes. Some of the really anime, like off the wall, I have no idea how they're going to pull it off stuff. We're not there yet. But what they've got on paper so far is very good. Yeah. Yeah, that was I think the closest thing I could think of that was Tomb Raider, where I loved Tomb Raider in the 90s and I would play it on PC. And it was like there was a brown wall and a green floor. And then the we played like the first PlayStation 4 version, but it wasn't the same story. No, no, different different episode of that same character's sort of adventure. Yeah. So, so uh, um, going back to uh, your life exploding. Yeah. <laughs> um, how are how are you how are you now with everything shut down? You just you started a job this week. I did while being sequestered. And I've had a couple of new people come onto my job during this time. And obviously I don't know them well yet because I'm not next to them, but how, how do you feel like never going into the office of a new place? Very weird, especially because I actually did all of my interview process in the office. So this new job that I have has sort of been something I've been pursuing in the background for a while. I don't remember if I was in grad school the last time we hung out, but I am in the DePaul MBA program now. I'm getting a master's degree. Okay. And I just really have been trying to get out of nonprofits and use the new education that I've been reeling in. And so I just had my resume out. I was kind of casually doing applications one bit. And this was well before COVID-19 was even a thought on anyone's mind. I went to this big office building, 55 East Michigan, like right on the lake, right at Adams and Wabash, beautiful office on the 35th floor and did this very swanky interview and had in my mind like, wow, if I get this job, this is where I'm gonna work. I'm finally gonna come downtown every day and it's gonna be so beautiful. And so I do end up getting the gig and the pandemic hits. Uh, This kind of pushed my start date back a little bit, but also uh, the company, I I am free to talk about it. It's called Sargent and Lundy, and they're an engineering consulting firm in the power sector. So they are doing engineering for nuclear reactors, for solar panels, for um, urban electrical grid modernization, all sorts of stuff that is way over my head, if I'm honest, but I'm a communicator. I'm a marketer. It's a very old and prestigious brand, and they kind of need more people to come in and help them update the way they communicate. So they need that even if there's a pandemic on. And so they actually mailed me a laptop. The twist twist is during all of this, uh, I had already accepted this job and I hadn't told my last job yet. And then my last job, job laid me off like so many people out there because the I already coronav- had- did they lay yeah. you off from the coronavirus or was there other uh, I mean I think a multitude of reasons I think there was there's leadership changes there was orgatory changes there was a presidential change and then we were all about to get sent home and whether or not we were all like worth the money while working from home I don't know like I'm not going to try to get into it or assume what was on their mind. I don't want to accidentally like badmouth anybody, but I didn't have a job anymore. I already had one lined up though. 
but there was a two week period where I wasn't working. And what I was doing during that was literally uh, I adopted my puppy, which is another new thing that has happened. And I played Animal Crossing and my whole life was puppy and Animal Crossing for like two weeks. I had all these big aspirations. I was like, I'm going to pick my bass back up and I'm going to start playing my bass again. No, like puppy would bite the bass. I can't take the bass off the wall. Right? <laughs> yeah, I've been um, I, I, I keep getting jealous of bored people that are like, I'm, I'm learning this. I'm learning this. My job never slowed down. In fact, it's sped up. Um, but the last few weeks, I have been starting to do like more and more um weird projects i traded an electric guitar for an acoustic guitar because i didn't have a really good one yeah. and i was like well i'm just gonna be sitting around so i'm like teaching myself um like finger picking like trying to get better at things that i i haven't been doing well but that has been my uh like i said i'm binge watching deep space nine which i'm doing while i'm working uh it, it you do have all these aspirations but it's interesting how when you look back, you go, well, what did I do? And it was kind of the thing you really wanted to do. Yeah, I don't actually have that much free time. Now that the job has started up, I work, you know, a full eight hours and I do still have two classes that I'm virtually attending at DePaul as well. And so I have a ton of homework. The really the only shift that has happened is there's no commute anymore. Right. And so... I was working on the south side and going to school downtown and those hours that I would have spent on a train or in the cafeteria waiting for school to start, those are my hours now. And so I haven't exactly been taking on any massive new projects, but I've definitely been doing stuff I can knock out in like one night. So I learned to home make simple syrup for cocktails and I did that one night real quick. Or anyone who wears makeup every day knows, like, you got to wash your makeup brushes. And I'm notoriously gross, and I don't wash my makeup brushes that often. And so I really washed them. But <laughs> I'm not out here, like, learning a new language or anything. Right. Yeah, we color-coded all our Legos. That took about 10 days. Whoa. Yeah, we had these We had these just giant bins full of piles and piles of Legos. And one of the things we did was um, when I got – Back, I was on a, I was on a, the Jonathan Colton cruise when all of this came down, and we weren't entirely sure they were going to let us on the boat. We weren't entirely sure we were going to fly back, but when I got picked up at the airport, I said, "Well, we have to go to work. I have to get my computer, and then we need to go to Target and get anything. Just get supplies." And we got a Lego set. We got like a Marvel Lego set of Doctor Strange's building, and uh, I was like, "That'll keep us occupied for." A week and everybody built it and then i started to pull out all these books and i'm like oh yeah we have the death star we have all the indiana jones sets we have the bat cave and they're all a pile of legos so then that became we're getting drawers we're getting plastic bins from target and we're color breaking these all up and uh that took like 10 days and the now, aspiration there is maybe you could go back to some of those old kits and redo yeah. them yeah, because we figure all the bricks are there. Maybe a few have been lost, but it's easier to open it up and go, okay, I need a gray brick. And then you open the bin and you're like, well, here's a long one. Here's a short one. I need the short one. Then it is to go through everything. For sure. So. That's actually very clever. Like the whole I, – I used to work for Legoland. I, Lego is honestly one of my favorite toys or maybe even inventions that's ever happened. So I'm not here to talk smack, but – 
I think that's the scam of Lego bricks, right? Is they're selling you basically the same item over and over with a different instruction book. And so if you can hack it so that instruction book becomes useful again, you're king of the world. Yeah, and I found Lego.com actually has downloadable instructions. They were like, oh, maybe you've lost this. And then they realized, well, you can hack that if you – especially if you're not particular about color. Like if you're like, ah, I don't have this red brick, but I have the yellow brick. You can kind of just make anything you want, which was the original idea of Lego. Yeah, just whatever you can imagine, put it together. It's this. It's the same. Like if you don't have the right size, okay, well, a one by two and another one by two is a one by four. It's fine. Yeah. yeah well, I think what Lego really makes, and they didn't get into this uh, until really Phantom Menace in '99, is having the proprietary minifigs and then the uh, whatever very special bricks are in that set. Yeah, that is um, historically literally what revitalized the brand. Lego was mm-hmm. probably going to go under. And once they started getting the proprietary stuff, especially and specifically Star Wars, they took off again. Right. That, Star- that is actually it. Yeah, Star Wars was the first one. There's a really good episode of – have you watched The Toys That Made Us on Netflix? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Lego one's really good. And I think there's another documentary. There's another like stand standalone documentary called like the Lego story. And it gets into the engineering and the production of them. Because one of the things that amazes me is when you open a big Lego box, there's never, ever a brick missing. No, and there there's a real difference in the ease of the building. And I, I guess I'd probably attribute that to like quality consistency. I, as you know, big fan of Daenerys Targaryen from Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And for Christmas, my mother, in addition to all the like practical stuff that I got for Christmas, like here's a hand mixer, here's some pajamas. Uh, my mom got me this massive Drogon. It's uh, one of Danny's dragons, and it's a proprietary Game of Thrones mega blocks set. Uh, and it was so much harder to build than Legos and not in an instructional sense. The instructions were quite good, but I feel like the bricks were just by fractions of millimeters, not as consistent. And sometimes you'd really have to like push hard to snap them together because they weren't as clean. And I've never had that problem with the Lego. Like every Lego fits with every Lego brick. No problem. Yeah, I agree. Mega blocks always gets like what Lego doesn't want. And, uh, I got the classic, uh, Enterprise Bridge from Mega Bloks like a few years ago. And it was great because no one's ever really made that. But it's like I still have it set up, but I don't want to move it because it feels like it could collapse if you move it too fast. Whereas like a Lego one said we just built like Doctor Strange's building, I would have to throw it to break it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. <sighs> Uh, you know, it's interesting too because I uh, I used to work at Art Asylum, which is you know part of Diamond Toys now. Mm-hmm. And there was a time, um, you know, Minimates is one of their biggest products where they they have yeah. like their style Lego figures. But when they first started, they got Batman and they did building sets and they did a Batcave and they did a Batmobile and the Batcave could not support its own weight and they just abandoned the brick building. Like at, right after that, it was Marvel and it's just like no, we'll, we're putting two figures in a box. That's it. And it's still going. It's like 12 years later. But they have never made another building set. It's so much harder than you think. Yeah, it's engineering. It's engineering on a small scale, but it's still engineering. Yeah. Uh, Ben is obsessed with the Lego Masters reality show. Have you seen that? 
I have watched two episodes of that, and I am a fan. It's just something that I'm taking at a very slow drip. Yeah, it's one of those where I watched the first couple with him, and then I was like, I was like, oh, we haven't watched that in a while. He's like, no, you haven't. I've seen every one. So then I watched whichever one he was up to, and I was like, oh, a lot of people are gone. But I thought the advertising campaign for that was very ill-natured. Like all, every commercial saw something breaking or falling or collapsing because that's yeah. what they want people to tune in for. Like, oh, is it going to fall? And the the show itself is actually, I think, much more wholesome and positive. They really sold it, though, like, watch these people get devastated as their shit falls apart. Yeah, well, that's the only drama you can get. They don't they don't do the reality thing where they follow these people around in their lives. Like, they're just in that one room the whole show building something. So either it's not coming together and they're arguing or they build it and it's okay or they build it and it's great. And they then like it and it's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's Rifting television. Yeah, that's good television. And Will Arnett's just kind of there. <laughs> I I get the impression after about fifteen minutes in each episode, they're like, "All right, enough, poor Jack Horseman." <laughs> it's it's like I wonder if he signed a contract way back in the day with the Lego Movie. Like, okay, you're gonna be Batman, and then if we ever have a reality show, you're coming back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but Will Arnett's not one of I other than. Arrested Development, which is such a part-time gig. I can't point to any full-time thing Will Arnett has. He's just a guy that works a lot. So I'm sure he's like, yeah, I've got that week off. <laughs> <laughs> I'll come in and do the Lego thing. It's cool. Yeah. So um, how is Animal Crossing? I'm seeing a ton of people post about it. Um, People who know the genre, I think, will understand what I say. What I say, Animal Crossing is Animal Crossing. <laughs> That's uh, it, that's very zen. <laughs> yeah, and it is. It's a zen game. Like, if you have played any Animal Crossing game, you have played all of them. But the more they make, the more sort of quality of life improvements they add. But the base premise is still always the same. You are a cutesy, like, human avatar, and you're put somewhere. It's a city. It's an island in this case. Whatever. And there's always Tom Nook, the Tanuki, who puts you into debt for, like, your mortgage for the house that you built on this island. And in order to pay off the mortgage and also sort of make a thriving sandbox of a community, you just start doing your own thing out in this little world. You catch bugs and sell them. You catch fish and sell them. You dig up fossils. One of each of those things, you sort of do a collector uh game with by putting them into a museum uh, and so your museum gets more and more robust the more you kind of boost up the economy the more villagers come and then you develop relationships with the little animal villagers little dogs and cats and frogs i don't think there are any frogs i made that one up uh and stories well, now there's an update that can happen yeah they need more and they need just more, more different types of animals <laughs> but uh some of the this quality the of life yeah, and you could decorate your house and you could make little outfits. And a lot of people have jokingly referred to it as chores, the video game. Yeah. Because every day you're like picking fruit and pulling weeds and just like pulling yourself up by your boot bootstraps in this adorable little animal world. Um, I guess I guess where the the fun comes from for me 
there's a bit of a blind box component to it. You know how kids like love blind box toys and videos of other kids opening up blind boxes. Like every time you catch a fish, you don't know which one it's going to be. And you're like, oh boy, I hope it's a rare one. Or every day the stores open and there's new clothes and new furniture and there's hundreds of different pieces of furniture you can have. There's hundreds of different animals that can move in. And the real hook of Animal Crossing, I'm kind of burying the lead, is that it works in real time. So if it's 5 p.m. on a Monday and you turn the game on, it's 5 p.m. on Monday on your island. Okay. So the stores have hours of operation. Certain wildlife is nocturnal and only comes out at certain times. And so it's like another little world that you can enter that's parallel to ours. Um, I I love this new one. They added some quality of life stuff. Like there's a crafting system now. And so you don't necessarily have to wait for a wardrobe to appear in the store if you want one. You can just build one. There's a magic wand that lets you change outfits a lot faster than before. The museum is gorgeous. It has no right being as gorgeous as it is in this Nintendo game. But in the end, I mean, I can talk it up till the cows come home. All it is is every day you open up the thing, you pull weeds, you sell fruit, you talk to all your neighbors, and you basically live an alternate little cute life. I think it came at the bizarrely perfect time for this pandemic. It truly, in a way, when we were all holed up inside, can make you feel like you are outside chopping down trees and socializing. And it's like a fake, a fake way to make those brain chemicals in this time when we're all holed up. Yeah, so there's like a Simsness to it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's so interesting just watching how watching society re-engineer itself because as much as as much as uh, people are saying, oh, when when are we going to reopen the country and oh, the economy? It's like we're finding there's so much stuff we don't need, and we're finding that the stuff we do need, eighty percent of it we can do ourselves, especially with technology. You know, everybody's doing like uh, Zoom happy hours now. Everybody. Yeah, I had to tone down the number of Zoom happy hours I was going to. I was to a point where I had a happy hour on Tuesday. I had a happy hour on Thursday. And then I actually do dance, dance, party, party, dance parties virtually now. And those happen twice a week, too. And once my job kicked in, I was like, I can't do this much virtual socializing. Yeah, I've been finding that like uh, my wife has kind of got one every night, and a lot of them are like uh, she has one with her um, nuclear family. Uh, well, not us, but like her mom and dad, and, um, her brother and sister, and then she has one with like all her cousins, and then there's one with all my cousins. And she's like, "Oh yeah, it's Wednesday. We're doing this every week." And I'm like, "Every week? I haven't talked to my cousins for like a year and a half, and now we talk every week." Like, it, yeah. it's, we're actually a little more in touch. I mean, in some ways, I'm living my dream life because I'm an introvert anyway. Yeah, and, I, I love talking introvert, extrovert in this time because I'm extroverted and I'm very energized by other people and I'm very energized by social situations. But what I realized is when I go to a party, I'm normally the type of person and to flit around the room. I talk to this group for a while, right. then I talk to that group for a while, 
and then I go see my partner for a second and then I go start an activity over in that corner. And in the happy hours, it's like I'm at a party with just one group. And if the conversation in that group runs dry, there's nowhere else to go. And so it's not it's not actually my dream come true to have all this socialization. It's like a Twilight Zone sort of backwards version of that. That's great. It's like too focused. Yeah, it's too it's it's too small. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting because introverts uh introverts for, aren't antisocial. I mean, some are, but mostly it's like I like to go I like to be with like a group of like four or five people for the whole night. Like I um any in my youth when we would go bar hopping, I'd be like, "Why? This bar is great." You know, I I like to just kind of stay and Zoom kind of forces you to do that. Because it's all people – and you have to have the same conversation. You can't – if you start to break into side conversations, then it's, it, it's cacophony. You know, my, uh, my wife did all of her cousins, and she she moderated, and she was like, okay, now you're going to go. Now you're going to go. And that was 45 minutes. Question, yeah. Yeah. It was, like, it, was like a, it was like a presentation. So, are, well, are you managing then, or are you like – because I, because I know my wife is getting squirrely, not being able to be physically with people. Yeah, like she... I mean, it's kind of a cop out, but I would say I'm kind of, I'm kind of really hot cold. So on the good end, this is as how you said this is maybe the most social you've ever been. This is maybe the most physically fit I've ever been, because I do virtual dance parties with my group twice a week, which is an hour of cardio twice a week, and then I go out with my new dog twice a day. And I'm like, damn, I look great. <laughs> and it's weird <laughs> to be like, I'm stuck in the house, like babing out. <laughs> so I think in terms of physical health, this has actually been sort of a boon. I'm sleeping more. But yeah, in terms of the socialization, um, I'm starting to miss the actual environments. I really want to go to a restaurant. I really want to go to a bar. I want to play board games like with people at the, who I can look in the eye like even talking to you um it's just a little different you know I can't read your yeah. cues from here as well now and, and we so, and full disclosure we don't have video on because we do an audio podcast and it's it's just easier to edit so we're not even looking at each other through video no and I just miss the environments um I also I have days both because of the pandemic, I'm sure, but also because of the sort of life upside downy stuff. Like I did get divorced. I did start grad school. I switched jobs. And the pandemic was really like a cherry on top that I super didn't need to be like, none of this is what you imagined for yourself and you have to live through it anyway. And so there will be days when I'm like, I exercised, I walked the dog, I sat through a great video lecture, I baked cookies, I feel so good. And then my head comes up and I realize I live alone, I don't work where I used to work, and everyone around me is wearing masks. And like, I can't go to a bar if I wanted to. And we're, we're just all sort of forced to wake up every day and act like it's normal. And so in those moments when it hits you that it's not normal, it can still be very scary. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're taking care of yourself. I am not. I was just talking to Stephen last week and he's like, yeah, we're all eating salad. And he's like, we're doing really well. And I'm like, I'm working 11 hours sitting down, not walking to a train. And then I go in the kitchen. I'm like, oh, there's donuts. That's, I ran today and I felt like so, so 
good about myself, but I'm like, I'm only doing it once a week. And that was one of the things that I said, all right, um, I'll have the stress of the commute is gone. The stress of being in the office is gone. I mean, it's a little bit, you have that distance where it's like, I have my own office. I can close the door. Like I'm not at a, I'm not in, in an open floor plan. Uh, but I really thought I'd be like, I really thought I'd be taking better care of myself. It's time. It's time to get a dog, my man. That's I got it. Oh, my, my cat is so old. <laughs> like he barely gets out of bed. He's not, he's 19. Wow. That's so old. He like just I'm turned though. 19. Yeah. That cat. I mean, he does okay, but he comes down, he comes downstairs to eat and then he goes back to bed and he's in our bed all day. And then uh, every now and then he goes into the boys' rooms and he gets confused and he goes to the bathroom in there. That's is his... he just is he sick of seeing you guys? He <laughs> is. He like I think he's accepted it. But uh, Renee and I noticed that we were we were in bed and we were like t- taking our time getting up because that's the one thing I can wake up at eight thirty and just make my way downstairs and you know maybe I'm gonna shower later that day. So I, I don't have to jump out of bed. So we were just sitting in bed for a while, and he just had this mad cat face on. <laughs> and we're like, what do you think he's mad about? I'm like, I think he's mad that he doesn't have the bed to himself anymore. Yeah, this was his spot for like yeah. the day. Yeah, I don't think he really needs us around. He, there was a period where I used to have two cats. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if you remember when we had two cats because I think one might have passed away before you even came over. But he's been gone for like six years now. There was an adjustment period where I could tell he was lonely for like a month. And then now he's just so used to having the house to himself. That yeah. And he doesn't walk. He doesn't, you know, I don't, he went out on the deck and went right back in. He barely goes up and down the stairs. So uh, a dog would be bad for him. <laughs> yeah. His, bad for his poor little heart. Yeah. Yeah. And, and. Uh, yeah, my family's going on bike rides and like my bike, my bike needed so much repairs that I was like, ah, I guess I'll get a new bike, but I'm not excited to get a new bike. Like I'm, I'm yeah, a, a lot of the outside stuff I do, I do cause I have to. And it's like a uh, part of why I have to is because it makes my body better. Yeah. I mean, even with the dog, I, it, it's like every form of exercise, I, I can't believe how much mental resistance I feel before like, oh, I got to go to the gym. Oh, I got to walk the dog. I don't want to. And then every time I'm out there, feels great. Love it. But just making myself do it is like embarrassingly difficult. And I think, you know, the dog gets me over the threshold because if she doesn't get stimulated, and she doesn't get exercise like she turns into a real asshole and so I have to you know and it's it's benefited everyone well they said the best feeling in the world is having just worked out and the worst feeling in the world is getting ready to work out I'm glad that that's a relatable thing because it makes me feel pretty guilty (laughs) now working out is fine but even um when I was on the the cruise just a few weeks ago there was like a gym up in the crow's nest and had this beautiful view of the ocean and they had like 15 treadmills and it was just available 24 hours and I did end up working out like two three times which is really good for me but it was even a chore to do that like I was like uh well what about after do I have enough time to shower is this gonna happen and you you get that brain you you kind of get that 
stretch out time schedule brain. And I realized I used to have this when I was a kid on the weekends of like you'd get up and you wouldn't have anything to do today. And you'd be like, I only have five hours left of this afternoon. Oh, now I only have three hours. Wait, I got to do that one thing, but I only have three hours to do it. I feel that way today in my 30s. Oh, yeah. Believe me, there there was a point where I was like, OK, I got to talk to Lauren at noon. And and then I don't have anything to do. <laughs> and it, literally, it's like it was my idea for us to talk. <laughs> I, I, I miss talking to you. I was like, I really want to talk. But I was like, that's the thing I have to do. So I could just put a little bit of dread on it. Oh, yeah. I, I woke up because the dog wanted to get up at like 730 or so this morning. And I took her out and I fed her and I went back to bed. And <laughs> it was the same, like, I really got to get out of bed. I got to talk to John. <laughs> yeah. I had that happen the other day. I got up. I was up at like 630, like the cat wanted breakfast. And then I was like, oh, I guess I'm up. And I took a shower and then I fell back to sleep. And then the rest of the day, I did know what was going on. Like, <laughs> like at three o'clock, I was like, I got to take a shower. No, you took a shower. But I was like, I still felt bed on me. There, It's. They're, the reasons we build routines is so we can feel consistently from day to day. Yeah, I, I agree with that. The the one thing that getting back into the working world has changed is that now I know what day it is because there was a time in there where I did not even know what day it was. And I think that got a little scary. <laughs> like, oh, I'm so far removed from reality that I didn't know it was Wednesday. Wee. Yeah, there's a feeling of like driving and letting go of the steering wheel when you don't know what day it is. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I think that's one of the reasons that like uh, people are people are binging more. First of all, you just have the time and everybody's got a million recommendations. But I'm finding uh, I also find this about collecting when too much stuff is out of my control. I set a lot of meaningless goals just to feel like I've accomplished something like I can like at the end of the day, I was like, all right, I got my work done and I worked out and I made dinner for the kids, but I watched six episodes of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and that means there are 152 left. And it's just that feeling of like, it's a number, it's a quantifiable accomplishment. And I think I think there's a lot of people like, I got season three done. And that feels like I did something. Yeah, when people ask, what did you do? You can be like, Got through season four of She-Ra. Yeah. Now, uh, going back to She-Ra, I haven't seen any of the new Netflix. Would, is there? Is it still clearly – is it a sequel to the original show? And is it still clearly in the He-Man universe? Because that's – I find that always a strange thing when the spinoff takes on a life of its own. Like if they brought Angel back and didn't bring Buffy back. So, gosh, what a big question. It is not – a sequel it is a remake and it is also not he-man's not there but there are references to grayskull and etheria and eternia that we still predict that at the end of this last season we may see a glimpse of that universe i'm really hoping they go that far and there are um he-Man and Motu characters like um, Grizzlor and some of Skeletor's henchmen are in the are in the, the show, but He-Man himself has not made an appearance. 
It's a reimagining um, in the sense that if you look at the title, it's no longer She-Ra Princess of Power. It's She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. Mm-hmm. And it's a much more ensemble-based show. The She-Ra in the 80s cartoon is very much in control of her power. She is a, a superhero through and through. When she transforms, you know, a bunch of butt is about to get kicked. And we're seeing Adora learning herself and not always winning and not always succeeding and getting more and more powerful each season to slowly become the Adora 80s fans might be familiar with. And in the meantime, your Glimmer and Frosta and Perfuma sort of have to pick up some of the slack, which I really enjoy. There's a lot more characters to root for this time around. It's a much more diverse cast in terms of racial diversity, body diversity. But what I especially appreciate is that there are strong LGBTQ themes, but they're not they're not trumpeted like, hey, look how good we are for including these people. It's just part of the universe. Like there are same-sex couples drawn in the backgrounds of scenes and nobody goes, wow, look at those two women over there. And there's there's a strong case that the main heroine and the main uh, woman villain are probably going to be a couple by the end of the series. I don't ship it personally, but I could see it happening. And it's just it's just all normal. Like in this world, every type of person is accepted. And it's so clear that we don't even have to talk about it. Um, When we started our podcast, She-Ra Progressive of Power, Eric's whole point was that the 80s show was trying to talk to us about racism and income inequality and inclusivity. And this show just has it baked in. No more is it like, this is the episode where we talk about animal rights. This is the episode where we talk about children's literacy. It's just in there now. And it's very, very well done. And I really think you would like it. Yeah, I, I'll have to check it out. I have, I have to admit, I haven't seen it. I was slightly too old for He-Man because I had the the first couple of figures. I had He-Man, Skeletor, and Castle Grayskull when I was like, I guess I was about 10. So I was the right age. But then when the the animated series came out, it was clearly for six year olds, and so I kind of I lean more towards GI Joe and Transformers. So I and then Shira was the girl product, um, and I'm sure you've seen the the He Man episode of the Toys That Made Us. Yes, we screened that as one of our um, live discussions. I think. Oh, yeah, that was great. Well, I did the uh, the Masters of the Universe live action movie with. With yeah, you. and that was really, and it was on my birthday. It was like one of the most fun <laughs> birthdays I ever had. I'm so thrilled to hear that. I that's another type of thing I miss in quarantine. Like we had, we had such big plans for like when we're our podcast is finally done. It's gotten so huge now. Like the type of huge guest star studded event we wanted to do, and I don't know if we're gonna get to do it. So right. the ones I got to do with you, like that might be the best it can. Oh. How is now? How are you dealing with the podcast in this time of isolation? Are you and Eric doing basically what we're doing now? You're doing it online. Oh, thanks for asking. Um, we hadn't planned to do anything in the off season. We generally do episodes one one for one. So one Netflix episode equals one episode of our show, and between seasons we'll do like one or two 
these are our predictions for the season. This is some of the political drama that's happened in real life. And we're really behind. There was a comic that came out that we haven't reviewed yet. So much has happened in the presidential election. And yeah. so you actually call that a great time. I think Eric and I will be recording an episode, hopefully this upcoming week. And uh, then he'll he's a pretty fast editor. So I'd say within about a week and a half, if we get the thing recorded, it'll be out there for you. And we'll catch up on Everything from the Sonic Happy Meal analog toys that Chira did to uh, how sad we are that Elizabeth Warren is not going to be president. Oh. Well, then it's really good that you did this one first because now you know where the sound comes out of the computer. Yeah. <laughs> That's a huge thing. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I was like, wait a second. I do have a podcasting microphone. I wonder if – and it, it only took us 10 minutes or so. Yeah, that's fine. There was just a lot of you staring at me while I was saying hello. <laughs> <laughs> hello, hello. Yeah. Mm. And I uh, couldn't see your face either. I'm extra. No, because I, I called audio only. <laughs> uh, well, so Lauren, is there anything new you're getting into besides Animal Crossing and work? Um, it, has there been anything since the sequestering that you've been meaning to get into or anything that surprised you? Um, I can tell you what not to watch, and that is the show Love is Blind. Uh, Love is Blind is so awful that when people started talking about Tiger King, I was like, no, not again. You will not make me watch trash just because we're all locked up. <laughs> yeah, Tiger King has been amazing. Uh, I will not watch it. But just the fact Tiger King shows that society isn't completely changed because it's this – it's a shitty reality show that we're all talking about. I'm like, no one's meeting physically, but everyone's talking about Tiger King. Yeah, it's weird. I haven't gotten into much uh, television, but I will shout out. So my favorite band is Gorillaz, and Gorillaz has uh, still a mostly animated like lore component that goes along with all of their albums. Uh, and instead of announcing a new album or a new tour, Gorillaz has been doing this thing called Song Machine, where they release a new song every couple of weeks with a guest star. And then the music video that goes along with it is the next episode of the animated lore. And so it's kind of like a cartoon that's being released through music videos. I have been a Gorillaz fan for, gosh, as long as I can remember liking music. And so knowing that... They're still Damon. Damon Albarn is out there still like telling this story in 2020 when we really need something to entertain us. I'm super into that. That's awesome. Now, um, as you said, you're an extrovert. You like talking to people. How can people find you online? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my Twitter handle is just my name, Lauren Fates. Uh, that's F-A-I-T-S. I also have the podcast Shira Progressive of Power. We have a Facebook page. You can find us on uh, nerdalogs.com as well as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, anywhere you listen to your podcasts. We have a couple of seasons that cover the 80s cartoon, and then we cover all of the modern show as well. And I do want to say thank you. One last thing that's happening during this pandemic is a lot of cosplayers, while their shows are being canceled, are turning their uh, cosplay skills to making masks. And so I have a lot of really cute, really stylish uh, pandemic masks, uh, cloth masks that allow us 
athletes to wear something so all of the N95s and actual medical grade stuff can go to healthcare workers. And so if you have the time, if you're listening, see if your local cosplayer is doing that, maybe throw them a couple dollars, and also check out all your local artists who would normally be at anime conventions and comic cons selling their art and making a living. Uh, if you can buy some jewelry, buy some art, buy some prints that normally would be in artist alleys and exhibit halls, these people really could use your help. We're all still out here trying to get by. And you can follow me at Not On My Book on Instagram and Twitter. That is the official Caffeinated Comics social networking feed. You can also go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash caffeinated comics, for all the news that might actually happen. And to keep in touch with the show, we're not going to miss an episode while we continue. Uh, you can subscribe to us on Stitcher, on Spotify, or on iTunes, or on Apple Podcasts, depending on how you've updated your Apple OS. And you can go directly to Radio Misfits. We are proud members of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Just go to radiomisfits.com, and there we are in the Lifestyle tab. We will talk to you next week. <laughs>